0: You have a Bible, and I hope that you do, please turn with me to Matthew chapter 12, Matthew chapter 12, and verse 30, Matthew 12, verse 30, Matthew chapter 12, and verse 30. It's really all we're going to read tonight um, as we look at this idea of there's no such thing as being neutral in a world that is divided between believers and unbelievers. So Matthew chapter 12 and verse 30. Matthew 12 and verse 30. So when you are physically able to do, if you're physically able to do so, I'm going to invite you to stand as we honor the ring of God's holy and written word one more time. Please stand with me. uh, Matthew 12, verse 30. Hear the word of the Lord given to us this evening. He who is not with me is against me, and he who does not gather with me scatters abroad. Father, we thank you for this day that we're able to come together and gather together. Help us now, we pray, to um, hear the word, to understand that there is common ground but no neutral ground. Uh, and so help us to think clearly and deeply about this as believers, to think rightly in this world, and to think wisely, to be uh, gentle as doves but wise as serpents. We pray that you would give us this wisdom in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you. you can be seated. <clears throat> in 2017, something happened that had never happened. You can be seated. Uh, something had happened that had never uh, happened prior um, there was a candidate that was rejected for his religious views. Let me sort of give you the following uh, back and forth. I, I won't name names, but let me give you some of the back and forth. A senator says this. Let me get to get, get to this issue that has bothered me and bothered many other people. And this is the piece that I prefer. I refer to what you wrote to the publication called Resurgent you wrote muslims do not simply have a have a deficient theology they do not know god because they have rejected jesus christ his son and they stand condemned do you believe that that statement is is Islam- islamic phobic the candidate absolutely not senator i'm a christian and i believe in the christian set principles based upon my faith That post, as I stated in the questionnaire to this committee, was to defend my alma mater, Wheaton College, a Christian school that has a statement of faith that includes the centrality of Jesus Christ for salvation and, Senator, interrupting, I apologize, forgive me, we just simply don't have a lot of time, do you believe people in the Muslim religion stand condemned and is that your view? Candidate, again, Senator, I'm a Christian and I wrote that piece in accordance with the statement of faith at Wheaton College. Senator, I understand that. I don't know how many Muslims there are in America, maybe a couple million. Are you suggesting that all of those people stand condemned? What about Jews? Do they stand condemned too? Candidate, Senator, I am a Christian, at which point the Senator. Begins yelling at him, and he says, "I understand you are a Christian, but this country are but this country are made of people who are not just. Well, I understand that Christianity is the majority religion, but there are many other people of different religions in this country and around the world. And in your judgment, do you think that people who are not Christians are going to be condemned?" Candidate, thank you for pro- for the probing question. As a Christian, I believe that all individuals are made in the image of God and are worthy of dignity and respect. Regardless of their religious beliefs, I believe that as a Christian, that's how I should treat all individuals. Senator, you think your statement that you put into this publication <coughs> believes or uh, stands uh, in direct opposition to that uh, or that it is respectful of other religions? Candidate Senator, I, I wrote a post based on being a Christian and attending cr- a Christian school that is a statement of faith that speaks clearly regarding the centrality of Jesus Christ in salvation. To which the senator then interrupts and concludes I would simply say, Mr. Chairman, that this nominee is not someone who this country is supposed to be about. The problem with this interaction, and this is not a political statement at all, but rather I use it to show that there is a complete silliness of thought that goes something like this We must be neutral in grounds of politics and religion, but everyone, everyone has a political and a religious ideal that we live by. No matter how secular, whether you're an atheist, a Christian, an agnostic, a Muslim, a Hindu, a Buddhist, a Jew, All of us have a set of ideals by which we live by. Now, certainly Christian ideals may not be what what someone else may want, but it isn't inescapable. It is absolutely inescapable that we live in a world that asks us to quote unquote be neutral all the while they refuse to be neutral. And so tonight what I want to do is I want to show us what Jesus from the Word of God here, that Jesus doesn't ask you and I to be neutral. As a matter of fact, we understand that we are not neutral. And you see, brothers and sisters, here's the thing. We can at least be honest that we're not neutral, that we live in accordance and by the standards of God's word. Whereas the secularists or the atheist or the agnostic or whatever else, they can lie to themselves and say, no, 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 we are neutral. But can you be neutral? Can, can you really be neutral in a world in which you live by your set of ideals and I by mine, the answer is no, not at all. It's impossible. And I know that may not sound very, very uh, nice or very helpful or very whatever. It may not sound very PC at all. But the reality is that at least we can be honest and say, "Hmm, yeah, we live by our biblical principles and the faith that is given to us in Christ. And so tonight, again, let's just focus on, won't do this uh, as I normally would do this, uh, in Matthew twelve 30. I'm not going to offer you a specific uh, a robust exposition of this passage of scripture but I do want us to see a couple different things here from this text. First it is a truth that unbelievers often place pressure upon us as believers to be neutral in the way that we approach our lives. In other words Christian scholarship is frequently pressured to put aside commitments that are distinctly Christian. And as of with that pressure comes, comes in the form of all kinds of things, an appeal to be noncommittal on the truth of Scripture, so that, the, so that the Christian scientist or the Christian chemist or the Christian whatever is often pressured not to speak on what they believe. Rather, they simply are to follow the guidance of secular thinkers. And oftentimes those who exert pressure often affirm that the only way to be open-minded is to be their brand of open minded, non committal. And so we're urged to retreat from our dogmatism and assume that the unbeliever can have the attitude of nobody yet knows anything, when in reality, they too have their minds made up about what they believe. And so Christians are often pressured to leave the Bible out of the discussion and to avoid to be accused of of being bigoted or ridiculously outdated to be giving over to their own preconceived notions when, in fact, the unbeliever insists the same as those who follow Christ that we are given to our worldview. They have their worldview, we have our worldview. The nature, then, of reason itself makes neutrality impossible. What do you mean by that? Well, this is what I mean by that. Facts are inseparable from interpretation. Facts in and of themselves cannot and will not ever stand alone. And so when people begin to reason about facts, they always understand them in terms of the broad, ununified whole of the system. So the question, then, what system is going to give us the correct interpretation of the facts that we are looking at. Because without an objective standard, facts are meaningless. Facts are absolutely meaningless without an objective standard through which we look at life. Man cannot reason, we cannot live, we cannot deal with truth apart from our own belief systems. And if mankind is the reference point, everything is seen as it relates to mankind. Whereas if we say that everything comes from God, it is and is to be lived for the glory of God, that directly affects the way we live our lives. Neutrality, even in the even in the the reason realm, the realm of reason is impossible. Because as I said, facts and evidence must be interpreted. Everyone will do this according to the way that they view the world. This is why Answers in Genesis makes a big deal about how we look at the world and the unbeliever comes to once one can look at the facts and come to one interpretation and a believer can look at the facts and come to a completely separate understanding. It is because we accept the facts as we determine them to be. Facts must be interpreted. And everyone is going to interpret the facts the way they view the world. If you talk to enough non-Christians, I've talked to plenty, and if you talk to any honest, reasonable non-Christian long enough, it will become evident that the disagreement is not simply about claims of truth, but over how we think, because they have their truth claims and we have ours. They they can say, well, we believe X, Y, and Z. In other words, if you were to ask the non-Christian, why is it wrong to kill somebody? They would say, well, that's just not a very nice thing to do. But is the standard anything more than that's just not a very nice thing to do? For the Christian, the answer is absolutely there is. Absolutely the answer is... This is what God has said, this is his objective moral standard by which we live our lives and we honor God in all things and therefore we don't murder because it is wrong and sinful. We act as if unbelievers, according to scripture and according to the the Bible, we act as if unbelievers don't hate God. We act as if their mindset is not completely apart from God. We act as if Romans chapter chapter 8 is not true, that the spiritual mind receives the things of God, but the unspiritual mind cannot receive the things of God. We act as if somehow that they can magically conjure up these ideas of, of neutrality and that they can rightly reason, and they're the only ones that can rightly reason because they're looking at life not believing in the God that we believe in. But according to Scripture, unbelievers look at life the way they do because of this belief system that they have. And I would say this. The Bible even goes so far as to say that it is sinful for us as believers. It is sinful for us as believers to try to set aside God's Word and God's standard. Why? Why? Because in Romans chapter one verse twenty one, listen to what the words the Bible says: For even though they knew God, that is those who had been created by God, they did not honor Him as God or give thanks, but they became futile in their speculations, and their foolish hearts were darkened. They were commanded by God to serve God, to worship God, to honor God, to love God, to make much of God, to do everything for God, but they suppressed the knowledge, and as a result, they lived their lives in accordance with their own foolish hearts being darkened. Luke eleven twenty three 23 says, He who is not with me is against me, and he who does not gather with me scatters. Right, This is exactly what we just read here in Matthew chapter 12, verse 30. Jesus does not leave room for us to think that he was a really, really, really great, nice guy. Jesus doesn't give us room to think, Man, he was a great teacher. Because as C.S. Lewis said, for someone to make the claims that Jesus made, he would have to be a liar, a lunatic on the same level of someone who claims to be a poached egg, or he would have to be the Lord of all the universe. Jesus does not give room for us to think that he was a really great, nice kind of guy. Jesus Himself says, "He who is not with me is against me, and he who does not gather with me scatters." We are not called to give up our standards for the sake of trying to look nice or culturally acceptable. Are we to be foolish and ignorant? Are we to be, Are we to be uh, uh, jerks? Are we to be mean? No, not at all. But it's not wrong to say this is right and this is wrong. It's not wrong. James 4.4 even says, l- listen to what the church that James was, a- was addressing there in James 4.4. Listen to what he said. You adulterers and adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Now, does that mean that we're not to have friends in the world or that we're not to have we're not to we're not to live in the world? No, 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 that's not what that's not what James's point is at all. But to be a friend of the world is to adopt their way of thinking, is to adopt the mindset of the world. And Jesus says that is sinful. That is wrong, that is wicked. And in order for us to set aside everything we say we believe is to compromise truth. Could you imagine walking into a doctor's office and the doctor says to you, I'm very sorry, you have cancer. And then I start debating with that doctor. I don't like that diagnosis. You need to give me something else. You need to tell me something different. And the doctor says, you have cancer. To which I say, I don't want to have cancer. And it doesn't matter what we want. It doesn't matter what we want. The truth of the reality is is the truth of the reality not what I want it to be, but what is? In 1 John 5.19, for instance, it says, We know that we are of God and that the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. One of the greatest philosophers and, and theologians of the 20th century, a man by the name of Dr. Francis Schaefer, said this. There is a myth going around today, the myth of neutrality, and according to this myth, the secular world lives every point of view by an equal chance to be heard, and it works very well unless you're a Christian. You ever notice that? Everybody talks about wanting to be tolerant and nice and kind. But then you start preaching the gospel of Jesus. And all of a sudden, people don't want to be quite so nice and kind. Don't believe me? Come with me to Cincinnati at Planned Parenthood. Right? Come with me to preach the gospel. Come with me to plead for mothers not to kill their babies. And listen to the kind, nice, tolerant words that are used toward us. You look at the one-finger salutes that we get, the numbers of them that we get, the numbers of people who stop in the middle of the road and scream obscenities at us and tell me that they're quite as tolerant and nice as they want everybody to believe they are. The world is not tolerant of of, of anything but what they want to be tolerant of. There is no third way, and I want to be very blunt here. I want to be very blunt, and you're saying, well, you've already been blunt, I don't know what you're talking about. But there is no third way. You either agree that homosexuality is a sin, or you do not. You either agree that transgenderism is against God, or it is not. You either agree that pornography is against God, or it is not. You either agree that abortion is a sin or it is not. You either agree that adultery is a sin or it is not. You either agree that slavery is a sin or it is not. You either agree that lying is a sin or it is not. You either agree that theft is a sin or it is not. Ultimately, you are either for Christ or you are not. And as I said earlier, there is great common ground, right? But none of it is neutral ground. I mean, the unbeliever and the believer both can look at the same facts. We can look at the same facts, and there's common ground in that. But it's not neutral because we're going to interpret it. Because as a as a Christian, I can look, I can go out, and I can go up on a mountaintop, and I can look around, and I say, I can say, God, how great you are because of what you've created. The atheist looks around and says, "Wow, what a bunch of." Protoplasm just came busting into, into out of nothingness and into, just busted into the world. And my goodness, these atoms and everything. And look what they created. This is great. They're going to see things differently. There is no neutral ground. Common ground, but not neutral ground. Why is there common ground? Because after all, Genesis one twenty seven. God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Right? Psalm 19.1, there's common ground. The heavens declare the glory of God. Right? We see all of this, and yet, in the midst of all this, we have to live with the reality of Romans one twenty one. For though they knew God, they did not honor him as God, nor give thanks, but they became futile in their own imagination, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Or as Paul says in Acts 17.23, For while I was passing through and examining the objects of your worship, I also found an altar with this inscription to an unknown God. Therefore, what you worship in ignorance, I proclaim to you. We know that the unbeliever relies on God's common grace in order to make sense out of reality. We know that there is common ground and common grace answers why even atheists can look at 2 plus 2 and say, well, that equals 4, at least if they're honest. And so what does Jesus mean here? Well, Jesus draws a hard and fast line in Matthew twelve 30, doesn't he? Read it. Let's read it again. Again, read it. What's it say? He who is not with me is against me, and he who does not gather with me scatters abroad. This is not the words of a man who says, well, you can take me or you can leave me. You are either with Christ or you are against Christ. You see, the Pharisees were against Christ, and they were very religious people. They believed to believe, they, they claimed to believe all the good things and the nice things and the right things about God, and yet at the end of the day, they were, they were themselves of their father, the devil, Jesus tells us, because they refused to bow the knee to Jesus, who had proven over and over, and the Spirit had over and over again witnessed to, his, to the truth of the reality of him being who he said he, he is, and they refused to believe it. And that is the position that many find themselves in today. They say, Jesus was a great guy, Jesus was a good man, Jesus was a good teacher, Jesus was this, Jesus was a good prophet, Jesus was the best prophet, Jesus was this, Jesus was that, but Jesus doesn't give us that option. Jesus never says, all roads lead to heaven. As long as you're really, 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 sincere. The Pharisees had witnessed the power of God and had firsthand revelation of who Christ was as the Messiah. Christ had given evidence of his kingdom. His authoritative rule was very clear. It was without doubt. Now, what would they do with this? They turned their backs on Christ and they said, We will not have this man be our king. And many a person today hears the gospel message, clearly are called to repent of their sins, to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, to follow him and to believe in him alone. And they say, We will not have this man as our king. We will not have this man as our king. We do not want this man. We will not have this man. Not much has changed in 2,000 years. But what have you done with the revelation of Jesus Christ and his gospel? Friend, what have you done? Have you sought neutrality so that you are not numbered with the rank opposition of atheists and agnostics? Or have you continued to seek to be one who lives out that worldview all the while claiming to be neutral it's a great Scottish, or it's great, great Irish, uh, folk tale. It's a great Irish folktale. tale. Um, there was, it's said that uh, that um, back when the angels, uh, the the angels, uh, there was war in heaven, and one group of angels rebelled with Satan, and and were uh, were. Uh, uh, were fighting against God and the, the, the angels of God were fighting against Satan and his angels and of course Satan was cast out. There was one band of angels, uh, the folktale goes, there was one band of angels that were, uh, that, that chose neither side. It was completely neutral, completely neutral and so neither deserving heaven because they chose, they refused to choose to follow the, the God who had created them, their sovereign Lord, nor quite the execution in hell that the the demons deserved, they were cast down into the world and they were made fairies. Now, I know that sounds silly to us, and it's not true. I agree. But it does serve to be an interesting point, doesn't it? Here's the point. There are no spiritual Switzerlands. Spiritually speaking, there are no Switzerlands. And truthfully, if you look up the history of Switzerland and their quote-unquote neutrality, and they weren't quite as neutral as everybody says they were in World War II or World War I, for that matter. They allowed all kinds of things to from allies to for allied forces to cross over their borders. So we can call themselves, we, they can call themselves neutral because they didn't take a, an official position, but by not taking an official position, they also then allowed for things to happen and thereby took a position whether they wanted to or not. There are no spiritual Switzerlands. He who is not with me, Jesus says, is against me, and he who does not gather with me scatters. Ultimately, all of this is true because in neutrality is not possible, friends. Neutrality is not possible. Jesus is and stands as a dividing line. Now, I know it's big recently. The last probably 10, 15 years, it's been really huge to say, well, BCE and CE, as if somehow we still don't quite get the fact that you're still dividing it between the common era and the non-common era. What happened in the middle of all of it? Jesus. Jesus. You can call it BCE all you want to and you can call it CE all you want to but Jesus still stands in the middle that divides the common era from the non-common era. Jesus is a dividing line. Jesus is a dividing line, the dividing line. And he does not allow for fence straddlers. Jesus does not allow for neutrality There is no fence, there is no neutrality, there there is no neutral zone, there is no comfort zone, there's no middle ground. Jesus says to us, you must respond, either affirming that I am who I am and bowing the knee to me and following me in repentance and faith, or you continue on in disobedience, saying, I will not have this man rule over me. But notice how Jesus describes these two positions here. With me. And against me. you Notice that here in 1230. He who is not with me. Is against me. Friends. There are no spiritual Switzerland's. We are called to a relationship with Christ. And our Lord gives a simple but clear picture. He who does not gather with me scatters. It's interesting that Jesus here reminds us of the idea of gathering crops or harvesting with gathering, right? The gather, right? The, the, the harvesting of crops. Jesus is picturing the gathering of his believers or the gathering of those who come to him as a harvest to follow his purposes, to follow his pursuits, to follow Christ, to follow in faith, To follow Christ is to embrace his kingdom, his life, and his kingdom purpose. And again, I want to be clear about this. I'm talking about following Christ and living out biblical principles here. I'm talking about following King Jesus. We're talking about following King Jesus and living the gospel out and the saltiness of Christianity out throughout our lives. Called to live consciously as a Christian and to bear the influence of Christ into the sphere of your family and school and work and social life and community and world, calling every sphere of existence to repent and trust in Christ. There is no neutrality if we are not gathering with Christ. We are scattering and if we are not with Jesus, we are against him. We are letting the sheep out of the sheep pen and when we proclaim all of these third ways. well, You can sort of do this and sort of do that and sort of think like this is sort of... And it's not, Jesus doesn't give us that option. Now, I'm not saying everything is quite as black and white as we often like to make it. I'm not saying there's no complications. I'm not saying that there's nothing to think through and to work through uh, 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 biblically. I- I'm not saying...